your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly. The triangle set to the top of the pattern. Now Spielman in motion to the near side. Rolling right is McCaffrey. Throws it toward the end zone. Wide open is Noah. Makes a catch. And it is a touchdown. Nebraska. Now let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Thank you. Welcome to our Wednesday show. So glad you dialed us up here tonight. We've got a terrific hour coming up here in just a couple of minutes. We're going to sit down with... University of Nebraska President Ted Carter. Get the update on the university. Everybody back in school this week, but studying, learning in a different manner because of the situation that we're all dealing with with COVID-19. So we'll get the latest from President Carter coming up here in a couple of minutes. And later on in the hour, John Baylor is going to jump on board the program and sit now with Terry Pettit, who was named yesterday as one of the members for the 2020 Nebraska Hall of Fame class. He's the one coach that will be enshrined this fall, along with five former student-athletes. Jordan Larson being announced today as one of those, and we're efforting having Jordan on the program tomorrow night. But uh, JB will join us later on in the hour to sit and talk with the legendary Terry Pettit, who got it all started at Nebraska, an illustrious career, and then handed the reins off to this program to John Cook. So you do not want to miss either one of these interviews coming up here this hour. So we'll work our first break in and come back and sit down with the president, University of Nebraska, Ted Carter. That's coming up next. Ted, thank you so much for joining us. I hope this Wednesday night finds you doing well. Uh, thanks, Greg. And uh, yeah, hello to you and uh, all of our listeners out there. You Last week when we talked, it was spring break week for your campuses. That ended, and so the learning began again for your students on Monday, but in a different way because it was online learning for the 51,000 students that you oversee. Give me a peek of how, what kind of feedback you're hearing after three days of that. Well, uh, first of all, uh, all of us here at the university system across all of our campuses, we're thinking about uh, all of Husker Nation, uh, everyone that uh, supports Go Big Red, and uh, all of our students that are back across all of our campuses, 51,000 strong, uh, they're going through their educational paces in a different way. Uh, we made the decision some number of weeks ago to, to go to remote education, which is a little bit different than just online education because online education is products that kind of exist in the cloud that a student can go and get and use at their time. Uh, a lot of these products that we're doing for our students are uh, live through various uh, you know, uh, tools like uh, Zoom and Skype that we're talking on today, uh, as well as uh, using other tools like Canvas to uh, teach them and continue on with their education. So we welcome back all of our students from wherever they are to include a number of our students that are still on campus. Ted, this had to be a pretty stressful time for your faculty to try to have to tweak midstream of a semester how they teach and to use some of the new tools that you were just talking about. Tell, tell our audience a little bit about the challenge that was for your faculty. Yeah, so you think about that across our four main campuses, uh, 16,000 faculty and staff, and then, you know, they're, they're used to one thing and all of a sudden uh, they're told, uh, hey, can you figure out how to become you know, online or, or remote educators? And I'm just so proud of uh, all of them. Uh, they stepped up, they figured out how to do it. We have a lot of online uh, educators that helped uh, coordinate that. They figured out the tools. Uh, and they've been ready to go across the board. Uh, to date, uh, we've had uh, almost no issues. Uh, we've heard virtually no complaints. 
and I'd like to think that uh, our students are still getting an incredible high-value education, which is what they paid for, and that's our job is to continue the education mission. Ted, is there, is there real, an opportunity here to maybe expand what the university is doing in terms of online learning and maybe to reach more students down the road who can benefit from some flexibility that now you're showing that you can do? Well, there's no question, and as I talk to my other uh, higher education counterparts, uh, we were, we're into a new normal now, and when we come through the other side of COVID-19, there'll be no doubt that the lessons that we learn through not just higher education, but just about everything that we're doing, our normal way of life, the way we greet people, uh, the way we now uh, you know, host professional meetings that we're learning how to do remotely, uh, is definitely going to change. And I think uh, we're an institution that's worked really hard to get this right. Uh, as we start to think about what the summer semesters will look like, the fall semester, you know, we're going to eventually be back into the classroom environment. But I do think that for a lot of students, they're going to say, you know, this is still a fantastic way to learn. Uh, so we are preparing for a larger online audience going into the future. We're visiting with the University of Nebraska President Ted Carter here on Sports Nightly on the Husker Sports Network. You've taken a little bit different tact in the fact that you did not close down your dorms, you did encourage students to, to go back home, but if some folks who maybe are from overseas couldn't really do that, you've allowed the dorms to stay open. Can you take me through that decision process? And then how many students do you have any kind of percentage that did stay on your campuses? So Greg, our, our first priority was to make sure we took care of the health and welfare of our students, our faculty, our staff, of course, their families, and then our communities and our state. Uh, but in doing so, while continuing on with the education mission, we also wanted to make sure we didn't disadvantage anyone. And part of that is realizing that some of our students, uh, this is their home. So where they live in their dorms uh, or any of the other on-campus uh, housing, uh, we wanted to make sure that they still had that opportunity. Uh, for some of the Greek houses, the, the national level uh, for those houses, some of those did shut down. We made sure that they had housing available to them. So uh, as we look across all the campuses, uh, particularly here in Lincoln, uh, we've got some number less than 1,000. So I would tell you it's somewhere between 10% uh, or so, maybe 10 to 15% in some of the other campuses. Uh, a lot of our international students, a lot of outer state students, as well as some of our athletes who have made the choice to come back uh, and be here. As you know, if they're part of the Big Ten or the NCAA, there are a lot of restrictions on us being able to do any type of uh, uh, practicing as teams, but they can come back here. They can go through you know, whatever period of quarantine if that was required. Uh, they can also continue to work out. That's still encouraged. And of course, they can uh, get their meals here and stay very healthy. So we want to make sure that we took care of every student possible. President Carter, I know you had earlier in the week had to make a really difficult announcement. You know, you've had a lot of tough decisions to make over the last couple of weeks, but this one I'm sure really stung. And that was the, the announcement that you will not have commencements in May. Um, first, how hard was that to, to come to that decision and let those soon-to-be graduates know that? And are you exploring any kind of a special moment down the road for those students to take part in? Absolutely. Uh, in fact, our students are not too dissimilar to what a lot, a lot of what's happening in national trends. Uh, we actually had communications with our students on all the campuses through the student government leadership. We wanted them to tell us what type of experience they wanted. Uh, just as everyone else is going through amazing changes and as we're going through uh, all of our, you know, uh, 
social distancing and how we take care of ourselves and doing all the right hygiene, uh, it was clear to us that uh, in early May, we still wouldn't be ready to put large groups of people together or even do graduations on a smaller scale. So our students told us that they would like to honor that day, and we are doing that. We're doing that with videos and some sort of remote idea of what graduation might look like, uh, just as we do through uh, Zoom meetings and all the rest. So we'll have something on every campus that will honor the day. Every student will get their diploma as they normally would on May 7th, 8th or 9th. Uh, that will be sent to them. And then we also offered, and many of the students have told us this, they want to, at the appropriate time, to have that celebration, to walk that stage and celebrate with their family. And we want that for them. We owe that to them. Uh, we want to celebrate with them. So that opportunity is going to come in the future, uh, whether that is a standalone graduation, uh, you know, here in Lincoln or Omaha or in Kearney, or embedded in other graduations where we will separate the class of 2020 cohort and honor them. So there won't be a necessarily one size fits all for everybody because once they graduate, they may disperse, uh, but we wanna make sure that we give them the opportunity to celebrate. So I guess I would say commencement hasn't necessarily been canceled. It's just been changed. And uh, the celebration for a large group will just be deferred for the time being. Very good. That, that I'm sure a lot of you have an awful lot of seniors, graduates, graduate students who certainly wanted to, to hear more about that. In the, this era, I know you are probably in constant communication with governors and mayors that the campuses reside, the cities that campuses reside in, public health officials. What has that been like for you the last three, four weeks? Well, the University of Nebraska system with uh, our very large population and how much we impact uh, just about everything that happens in the state. Uh, I would just say uh, we're, we're very pleased to be in coordination with the governor's office. Governor Ricketts has been a tremendous leader in all this. He's communicating well to the public. Uh, he and I communicate uh, regularly. I also communicate with the, uh, the mayor uh, here in Lincoln as well as in Omaha. Our other uh, 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 education leadership, our board of regents I'm talking to almost daily. Uh, our chancellors I'm speaking to daily, uh, as well as our staff. So we're coordinated across the entire education enterprise for the University of Nebraska. Because what happens in one part of our state, our community, our city, or on one campus affects us all. So we're making sure that we understand what kind of decisions we have to make, how it might impact each other. Uh, and I've just been very, very proud of the coordination. In fact, I don't, I don't know that any other state is as well coordinated especially given the fact that we have the University of Nebraska Medical Center who's giving all of us such tremendous advice. And I think it's one of the reasons that we're doing as well as we are doing here in Nebraska. You mentioned UNMC. I know they did receive some funding last week. There was a emergency funding package that the legislature who reconvened very briefly to come and vote on this, and they voted unanimously to approve this. What was your reaction to that? And can you let us in on some of the things that will help benefit the university? Well, first of all, again, thanks to the, uh, the governor, uh, thanks to uh, uh, Senator Stinner, Senator Scheer, uh, all of the, uh, the senators of the Unicameral for their support, not just for the university, but for the University of Nebraska Medical Center. Uh, this emergency relief will help make sure that they're getting the needed supplies, the test kits, um, you know, the personal protective gear, uh, and all the rest of the equipment. Uh, as the governor just said recently, you know, we're doing the best we can to make sure we stay out in front of this, to make sure that we have enough beds across the state, to make sure that we have enough equipment for our nurses and our doctors to do on the front line. 
uh, and this type of emergency money will make sure that we're ready. Folks are wanting that a lot of everybody wants to kind of pitch in and help, and that's the great spirit of being an American. I know you're looking for ways to help students. I understand the university is inviting some donations to a Nebraska Emergency Assistance Fund to support students and employees. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? So the Nebraska Emergency uh, Assistance Fund was actually created in 2019 uh, in the wake of last year's uh, horrible floods. Uh, It's run by our uh, Nebraska University Foundation. And uh, a lot of people want to help and they want to know how they can help for our students and some of our staff, but it's primarily to make sure that our students who some some have, uh, you know, either uh, been disadvantaged through loss of wages. Um, you know, I can't control all the jobs that they do out in town. Uh, some have had to move or be uprooted. Some have had uh, concerns over making sure they get good food. So this fund uh, helps some of them. And I encourage any of our students or our staff who are listening to this, there's a website associated with this that you can go to and uh, apply for this fund uh, through April 30th. And I want to say thank you to all those who have generously given to this fund. It's very much appreciated. It's making a difference. Very good. And I'm sure that uh, that will get some some interest in that by just having you mention that with us here tonight. President, we certainly appreciate you coming on. I know it's a really unprecedented time that we're all going through. There's a lot of anxious people out there dealing with various things. Your students are doing the same thing, and I know you and the university folks are doing the best you can to keep everybody on the straight and narrow, and uh, we're, we're going to make it through this. Our country's been through a lot of things, and I think we're going to come through this on the other side as well. Greg, i got to tell you, I'm just so impressed with Nebraskans. Uh, you know I live right here in Lincoln, and to see how people have reacted to this, so the governor's leadership asking people to follow proper hygiene. Uh, we are one of the lowest uh, incident states of transfer of COVID-19 of any state in the country. There's a reason for that, uh, and this is uh, exactly why Nebraskans know that this is the good life. Great stuff. Thank you, President. Have a great week. We'll look forward to chatting with you again next Wednesday. All right. Thank you, Greg. Welcome back, everybody, to Sports Nightly. I'm John Baylor, sitting in very temporarily for Greg and Ben. We want to bring on a gentleman who is one of six brand-new inductees to the University of Nebraska Hall of Fame. He is the lone coach in this year's 2020 class. For 23 years, he was the head coach of the University of Nebraska women's volleyball team, from his estate in Fort Collins, Colorado, here's head coach Terry Pettit. Coach, how are you? Does estate mean a couch? <laughs> <laughs> well, we picture you comfortably relaxing in your retirement, though we know, uh, even though it's been stunning 20 years since you were in charge that uh, you remain active, but we think of you comfortably relaxing up there in the mountains. Is that a fair picture? Yeah, it's a good picture. I can see the mountains from here, and we've got a beautiful day, and we're usually, uh, weather-wise, about a day and a half ahead of Lincoln, so this should be coming your way. Now, Coach, 694 wins. My initial reaction was, how are you not yet in the Nebraska Hall of Fame. I mean, this Hall of Fame seems tougher to get into than Cooperstown. So uh, congratulations on this. What does it mean to you? 
you got to remember, I don't think Coach Devaney and Coach Asbury got in until three years ago. Um, so this this Hall of Fame was um, began long after I left Nebraska, and um, uh, happy to be in it. Anytime you're in a Hall of Fame with Coach Devaney and Coach Osborne, that's a that's a very select group. So I'm I'm as pleased with John's call and looking forward to coming back in uh, early September. Coach Cook called Coach uh, Pettit just yesterday with the news. Now going back to 1977, when your 23 years began, really women's volleyball was in its infancy, certainly at the collegiate level. We were still four years away from the NCAA actually sanctioning it. And it was really controlled by an elite group of teams, USC, UCLA, Long Beach, Hawaii, Pacific. Was the grand vision hey, how do we join that elite group, or was it something simpler? Let's just get better every day and see where this leads. I think the, the original vision was let's stay employed every day, uh, and then as, um, as time evolved, and, and uh, certainly the goal was to become competitive with the top teams in the country, and I think I started to realize in the early 80s that was possible, but certain things had to happen. And, and one of them was we had to create an environment that could attract recruits because the West Coast was selling volleyball as a, um, as a lifestyle uh, that you went to schools that were close to the beach and wore sunglasses and flip-flops. And that's what, you know, you had to be a part of that to play volleyball. So, um, particularly in the, in the mid to late 80s, I believe that if we could create an environment where kids would want to play, then we could go out and get a Gracia Lee Sapero or, we, or a, uh, a Fiona Nepo. Um, so the core of our recruiting was still Nebraska and surrounding states but you really can't compete for national championships unless it's, unless it's a very unusual year um, without also pulling in um, an international level player uh, from somewhere else. And so that, that became our, our philosophy in 86. We played for the national championship, but that team was almost all local kids. Uh, Kathy DeBoer from Norris and, Enid uh, Schoenweiss uh, from uh, Be- uh, yeah, Beatrice, Karen, Karen Dahlgren from Bertrand, um, Virginia Stair from Waco. The, I believe the only, the only two starters from outside the state, Tish Delaney from Missouri and Lori Endicott from Missouri. But, you know, we, we were fortunate in having great athletes in Nebraska and we're able to supplement that with people like uh, Amber Holmquist or um, going out and getting a truly elite performer who wanted to be part of what Nebraska was doing. 23 seasons, 21 conference championships. Terry Pettit won the conference championship 
in his first 16 years at the helm of Nebraska volleyball, and, his, and in all your years in the Big Eight, you won all the conference championships ever, except for one. Now, um, my, one of my first memories uh, as an announcer was in 94, and the team was loading up uh, on the bus just out front of the Coliseum, and we were headed to Missouri. And suddenly I noticed Billy Winsett, one of your star players on that team, was not on the bus. And I just asked, where's Billy? And you said, uh, oh, she's got a big test tomorrow. And we took off with Isle Billy. That to me gave me a sense of just how dominant your team was in the Big Eight uh, Conference. Was that a fair assessment? Basically nearly every night, except maybe on the road at Colorado, did you just have this extreme confidence that you could win anytime? Well, John, it may seem foolish, but I, I don't know that I ever entered a match where I didn't see a path to win. It, it, uh, I didn't focus on that, but I, I never I never recall entering a match where I didn't feel we had the better setter or entering a match where I didn't feel we had as good or better athletes. So if if you take those two things... It doesn't guarantee a win because certainly we played a lot of teams that, you know, had extraordinary coaching and extraordinary personnel, but I never felt we would be overmatched. And um, that has a lot to do with, with the athletes that the state produced. Uh, Volleyball requires quickness. It does not require speed. It requires arm speed. It does not require foot speed. You have to have two quick steps. And if, and if you have two quick steps and you have size and arm speed, then you can be trained to play at, a, at an elite level. And we had plenty of size in Nebraska. We have, you know, you, if you look at the people who settled the state, uh, Czechs, Germans, Swedes, uh, big-boned people. And that, that continues until this day. So if, if we were looking for a 400-meter relay team, we had some of those too, Karen Dahlgren, um, Enid Stonewise. Um, but in, in volleyball, it's about arm speed, vision, and quickness. And that fit the MO of the athletes that we had available. So we didn't have to go to say um, uh, Florida or Texas to gain something that wasn't available to us, at least on a regional basis. When we did, when we went to Puerto Rico for Gracia Lisa Perro, or we went to Hawaii for Fiona Nepo, it was for a truly extraordinary player. If there was some, because if there was somebody as good locally, uh, it, it, made more sense to recruit the player that grew up in, in uh, the culture. And, uh, you know, that, that the culture certainly had a lot to do with, with our success. You know, the, the, the players were not afraid of hard work. They, they, many of them came from farms or ranches where the crop didn't always come in. Um, and they were exceptional. Um, uh, some of them, some of them, ironically, may be better athletes than their brothers, because 
their brothers were playing sports that relied more on speed. Where, uh, again, if you're a, if you're a wide out in football, you better have great speed. Uh, but in, in volleyball, it was just two steps. So a six, five, uh, female athlete from South central Nebraska who had quick steps had the potential to be an international player that would be a, equivalent to an NBA player. Her brother might be six, eight, but he might not be, have the quickness or the speed to be able to play in the NBA. Coach Terry Pettit, quickly, when Nebraska fans, when those who care so much about your sport of volleyball think of Terry Pettit, what do you hope we think about? Not much, really. Uh, you know, I, well, I, there are a lot of things that please me. One of the things that pleases me is that we got the succession right, that, uh, you know, handing the baton to John Cook, um, who personality-wise and maybe even coaching philosophy is different. Um, I think people, I think people make the mistake. We want to get a coach. If a if a coach retires, we want to get a coach that says the same thing or has the same personality as the previous coach, and that's really not what you want. What you want is somebody that's talented and somebody that is not going to let go and somebody that is going to adjust and learn uh, through the decades. I was saying to someone earlier today, uh, the women who played for me in 19 or for Nebraska in 1977 saw a different coach than the coach in 83. And then there was a different coach in 89, a different coach in 98. Um, because if you're going to be successful, you have to keep adjusting. And, and one of the adjustments we've seen is that um, when I began coaching, I, I was a transactional coach. Uh, but as, as I evolved as a coach, I became much more of a transformational coach, someone interested in collaborating, someone interested in assistance doing more, someone interested in listening more to players. Um, so, uh, yeah, when somebody's, and I'm sure that's true with everybody. Uh, certainly Coach Osborne uh, was transformational in, in his, his development. And I certainly learned a lot from just being around him and, and watching how he did things. John Cook has been transformational. You know, if you, if you watch John's demeanor during a, a volleyball match today, it's considerably different than it was 10 years ago. Um, so that's, you know, that's how you survive. That's how you evolve in, in the coaching business. And you have to be fortunate to have exceptional assistant coaches. And Kathy Notes was an exceptional assistant coach. And John Cook was exceptional. And Jay Potter and Nikki Best and Val Novak, they, uh, they were all great assistants in that they had strengths that I didn't have. Terry Pettit, one of six inductees into the 2020 class of the University of Nebraska Athletic Hall of Fame. So well-deserved. Let's get into the face-off. It's time for Famous Day's Face-Off. 
Famous Dave's, America's favorite barbecue, offers award-winning, mouth-watering, house-smoked barbecue for pickup, curbside, or delivery. Order three ways, online at FamousDaves.com, through the Famous Dave's app, or call your nearest location in Lincoln, Omaha, or Bellevue. Famous Dave's, locally and veteran-owned. Let's go. Mano a mano. You me, right here. Right now. Now, here are your hosts, Josh Hilkeman and Tim Curran. Well, we were talking about the game of the century here just a few minutes ago. How about this for a game of the century? Famous hey, Tim. Dave's face-off. Hi, Ben. America's favorite barbecue also. Dare I say, America's favorite game show. Uh, the only rule is no touching of the hands or of the face. Uh, okay. But no, really, uh, we debuted this last week in case... Y'all need a reminder. Uh, we're going to ask here seven questions. Got to get four of the seven right. Um, and you have three attempts, essentially, to get each question right. Because there's multiple there's multiple answers per question, as, as you guys well know. Um, and it's uh, we got some brain benders whipped up for you guys, just like we did last week. Uh, there were accusations of subterfuge <laughs> on... There was. Let's on not Josh's. bring that up. Please. Yeah, there was. There was a slip-up, but it was week one. Yeah. That, <laughs> week zero. I'd rather even, not talk about it. Even Steve Harvey makes mistakes, Tim. True. I mean, that's true. Uh, he makes quite a few of them. Uh, what was that, the Miss Universe thing where Miss he announced Universe, the wrong winner? Right? Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to try to avoid that tonight, but no promises. Um, but we shall begin... Stakes are just as high, one. though. It's true. Uh, if you guys are ready, I will I will jump into this. Question number one. Name the five schools who have at least 15 appearances in the men's college basketball Final Four. Ben. All right, Ben. Okay, Ben. Take a stab Duke. Is uh, survey says. There you go. You got Duke. And we got to need two more. A total of five. Wait. Wait, I need two more for a total well, of five? To, is to, to, he needs four, four more. Yeah, just to get four more. Oh. Four more. Well, okay, uh, there, I mean, there's four more, but I thought you only needed like three, right? For the I'm, I'm three I'm strikes. Gonna, you have three strikes. I'm going to play this one. Okay. 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 Uh, so four more, three chances to get four more, right? Yep. Yep. UCLA. Survey says... Yes, Ben. Congratulations. Still have some work to do, but... Keep cracking Kentucky. And is there Kentucky? Show us Kentucky. <laughs> Not bad. Do you want to complete the trifecta, the straight sweep? So I wait, pass? I need two, two more, though. Two more, yep. We got to get Tim's math set here before this <laughs> thing is done. <laughs> Too much Shakespeare. We have That's four right. different people in four different places. We're trying to get this all figured out. but Michigan State. Michigan State. Oh. <laughs> Tragic. Mm, okay. One strike. So fifth, the 15 appearances in the final four, right? Yes. Yes. Kansas. Is Kansas on there? It is indeed. One more. Arizona. Show us Arizona. Oh, no. Oh, boy. So much pressure. No, pr no pressure, Ben. Don't be sweating here. I think Greg has has the last one in mind. Ben's about to crack under this immense pressure. I don't know what it is. I, uh, this, we, this is should this we is, recap, Tim? You want to tell us? I'll just yeah, take we'll, a guess. We'll this is my best best my best guess. I th I've got it between two. My guess is North Carolina. 
Which <laughs> is North Carolina there. It is. You just pulled that out of a hat. No. I, I had it between two. I was guessing between the two. No, sure. I think I think Josh, I think I think Ben has access to our little Google Doc here. We better <laughs> we better check. Well, no such thing. We will, we'll have to keep an what eye on that. What was your other guess, by the way? Yeah, I Georgetown? Okay. Yeah, no, 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 no. Just to, Kansas just, would just barely be there, right? Are they yes, just at 15? They're at 15. Right at 15. Yep, yeah, they're the, the one most. at 15. Yeah, to recap, North Carolina actually has the most with 20 Final Four appearances. Kentucky and UCLA both at 17, Duke at 16, Kansas 15. Did you know it was Carolina, Greg? Yes. Oh, man, he was he was setting yeah. up, ready He's to take it. Good thing I got it then, huh? He's ready to take it. Yes, that's true. All right, question number two from the NFL. Who are the top three leaders in passing yards in the NFL in the 2019 regular season? Ben. Okay, Ben, you get the first choice here. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. No, no, no. Miss Gates. That's shocking. Right. He's actually right. a scrub confirmed oh, live whoa, on Famous whoa. Days Face Off. <laughs> wow. He, I mean, that, those it, games that he missed were big. That's yeah, but true. He still, but he still was, I, I would think, oh, would yeah. be in that conversation. Yeah, my yeah. fantasy team definitely took a hit. Um, all right, I'll go Russell Wilson. It's Russell Wilson on there. Oh. All right. We're going to keep Good going voice. back and forth until somebody gets it right, and then the first Strike person now. to get it right will have to play. Okay. They don't get the Lamar, Lamar Jackson. It's Lamar Jackson on the list. Oh. Wow. There are a lot of NFL quarterbacks. We just need three of them. <laughs> I know. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll give you this. Last week we said we're, we would try to go kind of in descending order for difficulty. This one is probably more of a bottom of the or later in the game difficulty level. Um, I'm going to go Ben's favorite player, Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers. Oh. Would have been top three in INTs for sure. Not, not I believe he numbers. was actually number four or five, so you, that's a oh, good wow. guess. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. <laughs> good grief. Um, you might take a while. just go through well, the entire <laughs> I don't, QB I don't depth think chart this guy did because he... Uh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. No. no sheree. <laughs> Not even close. Goodness gracious. Okay. I got I to gotta, I gotta lock her in here. <laughs> um, Start Googling NFL QBs just frantically pulling out. Was it Jarrett Stidham? Just, oh. There was so many injuries. There were so no, many yeah. injuries this year. Yeah. Oh, cry about it, Ben. I'm not crying about it. I'm just I'm trying to sort through sort through here. Um, trying to get your head on your shoulders. I'm not crying. You're crying. <laughs> Tim, I just ra- I just got the last question right. Okay. It's true. That's good. Ben I'm with a one nothing lead, but I'm very proud of you. Struggles here uh, on on question yeah. number two. Yeah. This is this isn't. There's a thousand well. people shouting um, at their radio right now, and it's yes, really great to picture. Okay. Man, I'm, I don't even know, like, who to throw out. Um. <laughs> the, the good news is by the time someone gets one right, there will be a lot of names eliminated. So, yeah, yeah, the strikes won't come quite as quick. All right. I can't believe Deshaun Watson wasn't in there. I yeah. know. Um, I'll just say Tom Brady Four. just to appease Tim, even though he's not on <laughs> yeah, there. Tom Brady. <laughs> You've appeased me successfully, but you didn't get it right. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> nope. Oh, this is so bad. <laughs> We've gone through about every playoff. You might as well just pull names out of a Matthew bucket. Stafford. Matthew Stafford. 
Wah, I know wah. this is wrong, but I'm going to throw it out anyway. Drew Brees. Drew Brees. No. Oh. hurt too much. The passing actually, yardage, correct? Passing yardage. Uh, yep. Jameis Winston. Good. Jameis Winston. All right, Ben, you're playing. Okay. Not bad. You get, you get three strikes to get the last two. Okay, Jameis Winston. Um, let's go with... Man. Um... About with his passing yards on interceptions. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Crap, guys. I don't even know. Jared Goff. Jared Goff. Wow, that's impressive, Ben. Now, now you're on a roll. One, One left more. to get. One more. I'm, I, at this point, boys, to be honest with you, I'm thinking of who just played all, all the right. games no, last year. No, that's what you got to go for. Right. Yeah. That's um, what, and that's what all these guys are. They did not get injured. This is a bad guess, but Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield. Right, it was oh. bad guess. <laughs> There's one strike. Tim, I'd like to see Tim play this game. He's got a loud mouth for someone who's just got control of the, bu the buzzer. I will stick with just the answering the questions. I am, I am Vanna White. I'm not the contestant. I'm just here to help. <laughs> Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz. All right, you got one left. One strike left. I thought that was a good guess. That was a decent guess. He was hurt uh, some. System quarterback. going to pull another rabbit out of the hat here. We've gotten Jameis Winston and Jared Goff. One left. All right. I'm shooting for the stars here. Gardner Minshew. Gardner <laughs> Minshew. <laughs> no. All right, Greg, you get one chance to steal. If you get it right, you win. If you get it wrong, Ben wins. Dak Prescott. Is it Dak oh, Prescott? That's a good guess. Yep. All right, we are tied at one. Was yeah. Was good who guess. was What was the order, Josh? Okay, so Jameis Winston was number one with five thousand one hundred nine yards. Dak Prescott two forty nine hundred. Jared Goff third forty six hundred. Yeah. My yes. other guess was going to be Kirk Cousins. Yeah. <laughs> now with the eye surgery, Jameis is going to double that total. Yeah, that's very just well my heard. guess. Uh, on the board on to number three with the game all square at one and one. Question number three: What MLB teams with their current name have at least five World Series titles? How many are there? Can you Greg. Tell us or no? All right, Greg. You. Well, Greg buzzed in. Sorry, the ben. New York Yankees. Show us the Yankees. No, oh, they're on there. Not a... <laughs> How'd you get that one, Greg? <laughs> All right, pass, really went pass out on a limb there, didn't How I? How many are there? Yeah. There's six. So I got to get six or pass it to Ben, huh? Right. Well, you'd have five more left. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to do this. All right, do That's it. Sweet. Here we go. My, my guess is the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, and you'd be right. <laughs> Tim again with that one. Okay, two correct. You've got four left. Hmm. I believe it's a tricky. The Detroit Tigers. Detroit Show us the Tigers. Tigers. Oh. No, sir. That's one strike. Two strikes left. Four more teams to go. The current name is a good wrinkle. Yep. Good, good wrinkle. Yeah, I'll this. tell you the New York baseball giants would be on that list. Right, but they're now San Francisco. So right. Then, yeah. And the Philadelphia A's. Um, right. What about the Expos? Um. <laughs> no. <laughs> What's that? 
Well, they've had some in recent times. I know they went through the big drought, but I'll throw the Red Sox out there. Are the Red Sox on the list? Oh, they are indeed. Three more teams, one strike. <laughs> I think there's still one t team on here that's a layup. That's all I would say. agree with that, Tim. The other two, not The other two layups. are pretty difficult. Well, the Yankees and Cardinals were not layups. Those are the layups. Right. Those are the big boys. Um... Just take your the time. The Kansas City Royals. Kansas City Royals. <laughs> yeah, the Royals on there. <laughs> Two. Boo. I don't think it's going to be much more than about three or four. Yeah, you uh, got one strike left. The so. and that stuff. Yep, you got um, one strike. Is he going to go down swinging or is he going to pull a miracle? Three more teams, just one strike. Wow, I should have passed this off to Ben. What was I thinking? <laughs> well, it might work out. He still has We're to get a bunch with one. We're in the danger zone right now. I only have to get one. That's true. Let me go to the Detroit Tigers. Detroit. You already, you already said that. But we're counting. We're going to count that. Do we? Do we I, give you a third strike? I, I don't know. You, I, you said the Tigers, me. so I'll buzz you. <laughs> three strikes. Okay. Well. <laughs> Ben, you have to get one of the three right if you get it Can wrong. Can I have confirmation on what he said? Yes. What's been, and I'll what's tr been said? We'll try Correct. not yeah. to, to screw Actually, Tim, you tell him. I don't want to screw this up again. Yeah, so we got the, <laughs> uh, the Yankees, the Cardinals, and the Red Sox are all off the board. There are three more teams. The uh, Dodgers. It's not the – is it the Dodgers? <laughs> it is the Dodgers. And Ben pulls off the coup and takes – Were the Braves on there too? I, no, the Braves Dude. were not. Because the, the Dodgers uh, changed names from Brooklyn to L.A., and they haven't right. won one since 88. Yep. But they, They're five in L.A.? Yep. Okay. They got, got Pirates and Reds on there as well, also have five. They got a good chunk in the, the 60s. Reds. Yep. Yeah. Right. So there you go. Yeah, All the Reds right. and Pirates have been kind of dog meat for a while, so that would be <laughs> difficult. The Pirates are on there, too? Yeah, the Pirates yep. and Reds are the other two. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, moving on to question number four. Ben with a two-to-one lead in this one. Question number four, there are five players who hold the top 10 spots on Nebraska Volleyball's single season kills chart in the rally scoring era. Name those five players. Greg. All right, Greg. Michaela Fecky. Michaela Fecky on there. She is. It's one of the five. Are you going to pass or play? I'm going to pass. Oh, interesting. Ben, you get a play. Okay, so, so I've got four players. Four players in the left. Ten. Yep, four it, it's players. Season kills. Season. Yes. Single season kills chart. Kelsey Robinson. Is Kelsey Robinson on there. Oh boy. Um. Hannah Worth. Is Hannah Worth on the list. It's one strike. Um. Three more they players. Switch? I don't even know. I'm not even sure when they switched to rally scoring. <laughs> that, that's the, that makes that's a again the wrinkle to the question. Just I'll, like I'll the say Jordan Larson. Changes. Is Jordan Larson on the list? Yes, that is why uh, we asked the question. Because she's more? newly inducted into the Nebraska Hall of Fame. Sarah Pavin. I think that's too far back. Sarah Pavin. That is not. Okay. 
Look at this. Look at this. Look at Ben. One, one strike, left. One, more. one strike, one, one more. left. Uh... I'll, and I'll tell you this. Sarah Pavin did it four different times where she... She's on that top 10 list four, in four different places. So all four seasons she played, she's had a top 10 single season year in Kills. Christina Hotelling. Christina Hotelling. Oh. Strike two. Two strikes. Okay. I'll tell oh, you, the last one's drama. a little bit tricky here, but. I'm just going to go recent. I'll say Bree Holman. It's Brianna Holman. Oh. Oh. All right. So hey, I only left him one. That's right. I know. You have you one left, one strike. It. Great. I was hoping you were going to forget Pavin, but you didn't. Did not. Sorry. Um. um. I'll go recent. I'll go Lauren Stiverns. Is Lauren Stiverns on there? Strike dose. Was it Mancuso? It was not. It was Nancy Metcalf. She oh, was there. Yeah. She was there right when it went to to the rally scoring. Nice. So, All right. Well, there you have it. Ben, with the win, you are up now three to one, a point away from the victory. Okay, here we go. Question number five. This will probably go quick. Who are the three most recent winners of the Masters? Greg. Ben. Greg, oh, you got Greg. it. Greg got it just by the nose. Tiger Woods. Show us Tiger. He's on there. Not bad. That was a layup, though. Who are the other two, Greg? That is, if you choose three, to play. Mo three most recent, correct? Yes. Yep. So 2019, 2018, 2017. Justin Rose. It's Justin Rose. Show us Justin Rose. No, sir. That's one strike. Bubba Watson. Show us Bubba Watson. I'm shocked. God, I thought he won it in 17. <laughs> One shot left, Greg. Danny Willett. Is Danny Willett on there? Oh. He's not, and that's the third strike. Ben, you're up. All Brooks winners, Kepka. by the way, that I picked. Yes, you did. <laughs> you were naming off all the winners, but not the last three <laughs> yeah. Brooks Kepka. Brooks uh, Kepka. Brooks Kepka. He's there. Oh. No, no. He's not one of the masters. So, Greg, you take the win. Tim, name the other two. Uh, Patrick Reed in 2018, Sergio Garcia in 2017. Oh, Sergio. Okay. Yeah. Bubba must have been 16 because he's been with them the last three or four years. But All right. Bubba's won it twice. Yeah. 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 All right, Greg, you're still alive. Moving on to question number six. Name the five players at the top of the Husker football's career rushing chart. Greg, Ben. All right, Greg, again, just by a nose. Mike Rogier. Mike Rogier. Great guess. He is at the top. These are the top five rushers, Top correct? five rushers. Yep. Doesn't matter position. I'll pass. All right, Ben. Amir Abdullah. Amir Abdullah. Yeah, he's number two. You guys have got the top two. Amon Green. Amon Green. Rolling right through it. Just two more for the win. Taylor Martinez. Taylor Martinez. No. Tragic. So one strike. Tommy Frazier. Tommy Frazier. That's another strike. Eric Crouch. Eric Crouch. Got it. One last one for the win. Mm. 
Man, so much left. pressure. This guy is only 30 yards behind Crouch for between fourth and fifth place on the list. Turner Gill. Turner Gill? No. Oh. All right, Greg, this is to stay alive. If you get this right, you go to question mm. seven. If not, Ben wins the night. And Rogier Abdullah. Green, Green and, Eric and Crouch, Crouch have been named, correct? Correct. You got okay. it. And he's guessed wrong. Taylor, Tommy, and Turner. He guessed yep. three quarterbacks wrong. Correct. Yep. Roy Halou. Is it Roy Halou? Greg, you stay alive. Hey, hey, hey. We are going to question seven. Don't call it a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. Question number seven, our last question of the night. Since 2010, who are the four teams that have won an NBA title but not multiple titles? Ben. All right, Ben. It's your Cleveland guess. Cavaliers. Cavaliers. Cavs. Yes, sir. Three. And I'm passing this one. Passing. All right, Greg. Okay. Oh, come on. <laughs> Strategy. How many teams are there? Four? Yeah, yep, yeah four, four total. total, so three left. Cavs are off the board, three left. But they've only won one. They've only won one. Right. So it's the since Toronto Raptors. Raptors. Are they on there? Oh, they are indeed. Great guess. 2019 is when they won it. Two the Miami win. Heat. Miami Heat. Oh. No, they won multiple. The Lakers. Is it the Lakers? Also won multiple. They've won multiple, have they, yep. since yeah. 10? I'm down to my last one. No, oh boy. Two strikes, two left. The Spurs. Spurs on there? Staying alive, one left, Greg. Just one for this the win. This is for the win. For the win. Can we get a drum roll? I, I think I know what it is. <laughs> oh, Ben knows what it is. This is the pressure is on. Oh, my gosh, it is. This is pressure. Uh, God, if you get this, you've earned the win. I'm not I even – I Miami, can't even be mad. I thought Miami was, was the choice. Yeah. I'll go Boston Celtics. Is the Boston Celtics on there? No. It's Dallas Mavericks. Is it the Dallas Mavericks, Ben, for the win? Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Getting it was done. It's almost like – catastrophic choke job by Ben, but he saved it at the end. Oh, about shove that? it, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> good work, Ben. You get the win. Nice. Thank well you. Feels good. Hello, my name is Jeremiah Strills. Welcome back to another edition of Husker Huddle. Today we have a good friend of mine, Rex Burkhead's joining the show. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Jay. Uh, just quarantined up right now, man, but uh, hanging in there and uh, the family's good, so um, all good on our end. Hey, it's always good to hear, man. It's been a while since we caught up with you here on uh, Husker Sports Nightly. So, six-round pick back in Cincinnati 2013, which seems like forever ago. Um, you spent the last four years with going into your eighth season now as a New England Patriot. Reflect a little bit back, Rex, on what this NFL career, I mean, now that I've retired, it's, I've had a little bit more time to look back and be like, man, that's gone quick. But even for you, I mean, you've done a lot. You've been won a Super Bowl. You've been on two different teams. What has your NFL career really looked like for you? And just kind of give us a, a life update as far as what the NFL means to you. Yeah, it's uh, it's been crazy. Um, you know, such a blessing for sure. Just uh, to be able to have the opportunity to play at the highest level. Um, like you mentioned, 
of course, played in Cincinnati for four years. Uh, you know, had some unbelievable teammates there I got to meet and, um, you know, develop relationships with. And uh, then been in New England the past three years and going on uh, my fourth year here uh, coming up. So um, it's been a thrill. I've uh, been fortunate to play in some huge games, uh, play in two Super Bowls, play with some unbelievable players. Of course, Tom, uh, now he's a Buccaneer, but uh, just playing along his side and uh, playing under Coach Belichick as well, um, you know, it's been unbelievable. I know you might not be allowed to talk about it a ton, but we got to talk about it, man. The NFL has been absolutely insane with the last free agency moves, and you mentioned Tom down to Tampa Bay. What's that mm-hmm. locker room going to feel like? Have you talked to some of the guys that have been there? I mean, maybe a guy like Edelman that's been there forever. I mean, what is it going to be like walking into the Patriots facility whenever that might be and not having, I mean, TV 12 standing there? Right, yeah. I mean, it'll be different, of course. Um, you know, just the presence he always had, um, just his attitude every single day he walked in that facility. Um, you knew he was there, and so um, it'll be different, but I'm excited for the challenge, excited for the new era um, of the Patriots, um, but at the same time, just, you know, looking back on it all, very thankful for the times, you know, that I had with Tom and being able to play with him. Uh, I learned a ton from him, um, just his preparation every single day and um, his ability to to lock in and stay calm through the most pressure situations um, is something I always take from him. Everyone I've talked to that's played with Brady says he's one of the best teammates that you'll ever be around. I got to know, is there like a Brady story that sticks out to you that like for the rest of your life, whenever Tom Brady gets mentioned, that's going to be the thing that comes to mind? Yeah, man. Oh, there, there's so many great moments. Um, I think one would probably be the AFC Championship game um, a couple years ago against the Chiefs. And uh, he just walked into the huddle and kind of looked up everyone. It was in overtime, right, when we were starting to drive and just smiled and looked around. And you could just tell, like, everybody was so locked in and focused and had all the confidence in him, and he had all the confidence in us. Uh, they were about to go get the job done. And, uh, I mean, it was just like the leadership, uh, you could feel it, the aura around him. Uh, he knew what he was wanting to do, and he, he knew what he was capable of and what he was about to lead us um, to accomplish. So uh, that one definitely sticks out in my mind. Awesome, Rex. Let's shift gears a little bit here. Let's talk a little bit more personal for your life. Expecting baby number two, correct? Yes. When is baby number two coming? Yes, number two. Uh, Another boy, he is planning to come May 5th right now. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, it'll be Steel. So Jet and Steel are our two boys that will be having. So, um, yeah, we're excited. Um, you know, we're still trying to explain to Jet that he's going to be an older brother. Um, been giving him the play, little dolls every now and then, and he's been throwing them around. So we still have a lot of work to be done. Um, but no, it's it's fun and we're excited. I mean, this is as crazy as a world that we live in right now. The fact that you're going to be able to be home with Danielle now through some of this, I mean, into the foreseeable future, is a little bit of a blessing for you. And talking with some guys in the NFL, this is a weird time. Um, what are you doing now to try and maintain that peak physical performance that, I mean, as an NFL player, you have to year-round keep that. You can't just because things are closed right now just kind of go into hermit mode and stay home. Everyone I've talked to has a little bit different strategy to it. I'm curious, what has coronavirus done for the Burkhead household and for you specifically to keep your training up? Yeah, so, um, you know, I'll still do my running up at the track. 
um, you know, not too far from the house. And then um, I have fortunate I got a few weights in the gym or in our garage, I should say. And then my parents don't live too far from us as well. And uh, they got a nice setup I use, you know, ever since I was a young little kid. So, um, you know, still have some iron to pump and, um, you know, things that I can go to um, just to get the exercise that I need to get in. Um, you know, of course, I'm not going to the gym or training facility I usually go to, but, um, you know, still getting creative at times, using jet, you know, to get some, some body weight exercises in and everything. So, uh, no, it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, it, it's very sad, everything that's going on. Um, and it is an adjustment period, especially for the NFL. We don't know. Um, you know, when we're going to be reporting for spring OTAs or even camp or any of that right now. So just trying to um, stay in the best shape as possible. Tell people a little bit. I mean, OTAs are an interesting time. As an older player now, you're going into your eighth season. It's very much routine-based for you. But, man, I remember being a first, second-year guy. OTAs were everything. I mean, they were where you learned how to be a pro, learned all that. I mean, how do you think this is going to affect league-wide some teams, especially some of the younger guys, not having this year's OTAs possibly at all? Yeah, it's definitely going to be, um, you know, a challenge across the board, um, you know, especially for the coaches wanting to get younger guys um, involved in learning the system as fast as they can. Um, you know, you got the draft picks coming in, of course, and uh, maybe some guys who haven't played as much in the previous years, you know, wanting to get them more acclimated. So um, it'll be interesting. It really will. Um, I don't know how the NFL is going to do it um, as far as practices during camp or OTAs or what, but, um, you know, it, it's going to be new. Um, you know, we're used to being or leaving, going up to Boston in a couple of weeks. And so I think it's all going to have to be shrunk down or um, I don't know if they're going to push it back or what. So, um, you know, very anxious to see what they decide on there. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, I think that the biggest thing is you're going to see a really a hit to the undrafted late round pick guys that, I mean, if mm -hmm. you don't report till training camp, I mean, there's not going to be time to try and get these young guys looks because you got to get a team and ready to go. It's going to be really interesting to see how they navigate those waters. And the good teams will be the ones that will adjust, right? I mean, the teams that adjust and find a good way would be the ones that win in the fall. Um, Rex, I know you got a lot going on for Team Jack. You're supposed to have the Team Jack trifecta this past week, and uh, obviously that probably didn't happen. What are the plan going forward here for the Team Jack trifecta down in Plano? Yeah, so we're supposed to have it March 21st and uh, had to postpone, of course, with everything going on. And uh, we're looking to do it in the summer. Um, you know, maybe late June or in July, uh, but still kind of depends on how everything evolves here um, and our OTA training camp schedule, all that. So uh, we're looking during that time period, um, but still just a lot um, to be filled out here. And uh, but the the trifecta, we've raised over two hundred thousand um, dollars. This will be our fourth year to have it. And uh, it involves a football camp, a 5K, and football, or sorry, three on three basketball tournament. And uh, it's been great. The whole city, you know, comes out and supports us. And uh, it's really neat to see the NFL guys come out there and uh, coach the kids up, and they just absolutely love it. So, um, yeah, we're looking for the summer. Hopefully, we can get it done and uh, look forward to another great year. You get to show off your basketball skills out there? Uh, unfortunately, no, no. I uh, I wish I could join it. 
Uh, we actually had a team last year that had two former NBA guys that won the whole thing. So it gets it gets pretty competitive, um, and it's uh, entertaining for sure. I believe it. All right, before we let you out of here, Rex, we got to talk a little Husker football here. No spring ball for 2020, as we've talked about. But going into this year, it's a big year for Scott Frost and this program going into year three. What are some things as a former player, as a former Husker, a guy that, I mean, well-respected around here, everyone knows your name, what are some things you're looking for out of this 2020 Nebraska football team? Just, I mean, I'm not asking you to say we're going to win the national championship, but, I mean, real things, I'm talking to real players here that look at it from a different lens than most people. I mean, I've seen the growth in very small numbers in small ways. What have you seen in three years, and what are you looking for the product that's going to be put out this year? Yeah, and I, I think what you always want to see is jumps, jumps being made um, across the board, um, you know, and, and the way the guys play. And I think that's what you've seen. You've seen them respond. I think Coach Frost is getting the culture in there he wants. And um, when you see guys out there playing the way, um, you know, with toughness and, um, you know, never quit attitude, that, that's what you want. And I think that's what Co Coach Frost is finally getting um, out of his guys and, um, you can only go up from there uh, once you get that in place and, um, you know, understand that it, it's not going to happen overnight. I think that's what everyone's realized that um, it's going to take a little time. And, um, you know, I'm excited for them. I'm excited for this year and uh, to see the jumps that they made um, this offseason. Absolutely, man. I think it's going to be a big year for Husker football. Rex, I can't thank you enough for joining us on this segment for Husker Huddle. I hope to see you next time you're back in Lincoln for a Husker game. Um, and I uh, hope to catch up soon. Give my best to the wife and the kids. Absolutely. You do the same, Jay. All See right, bud. Take care, Rex. Coming up tomorrow night, Husker head basketball coach Fred Hoiberg will join us. We'll get the latest from the head coach, and Thursdays always means time for Teddy. Teddy Greenstein to be here as well. Thanks to Ben and to Josh and all of you for being a part of this one tonight. Have yourself a great night. Be safe.